Welcome to episode 14 with an amazing human, uh, Amy Whiting. And today's episode is about her story and how creativity and climbing helped her find balance and joy. And this episode is a special one for me. I got to sit down with one of my dearest friends. Amy is a teacher, a student, a metal worker, and a climber. She's one of the most talented, kind, and hardworking humans I know. She loves food, making stuff from metal, and moving her body in a lot of weird ways. I have known Amy for over five years, and I'm so grateful for her uh, sharing her story. We talk about her struggle with anorexia, her recovery, her love and obsession with exercise, her training, her training journey, why she trains and how creativity and climbing helped her find balance and joy. This is what this podcast is for. It's a platform for these amazing women to tell their stories, and I hope by hearing their story, it helps you navigate yours. Remember, when we do this together, it's a hell of a lot more fun. This is the Off Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Bo. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, let's start, okay? Okay. All right, episode 14. I think I'm up to 14. I think <laughs> I so, yeah, let's do 13. Remember. Yeah. I think, yeah, episode 14 of the Off Kilter podcast. And today I'm so excited because I'm here with one of my really good friends, Amy Whiting. And she is in another universe in Melbourne, in Australia. Uh, hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm so well. We've just been chatting for like already 25 minutes. And like all my podcasts with guests, we start like getting into conversation and then I'm like, okay, I should probably hit record. <laughs> so we were like at the end of Amy's story, but we're going to go back to the start of the story. So when I get women on the podcast, I want them to tell their story because I think that it's so powerful uh, when we get to hear somebody else's story. Uh, and so like, uh, like I say, we're not, we don't have to start with once upon a time and right into the childhood. Uh, and I love hearing the story around training and your relationship to your body uh, and food and creativity and how you relate to other people. And so we're going to dive into that story. Uh, so let's start with... Um, let's start with the concept of movement. Have you always been uh, a mover? Um, well, I'm from New Zealand originally. I grew up on a farm. So 
we had a less conventional life. We rode our push bikes, our motorbikes, horses. Uh, I guess my movement really started with training horses. More so, I didn't have anything to do with myself. It was all about how my horse moved. So, yeah, I guess movement did start at an early age, but just not on myself. Yeah. And it was lots of different type of movement. Yeah. So I did eventing. So I had to teach my horse. I got young horses. I had to teach them how to pick their feet up, uh, how to trot, how to canter, do dressage, how to jump. Um, sort of, well, not, not so much tricks in as, as such, but more to just be able to do everything on command with how they moved. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were out on the farm. You had to look after the horse. You, like, did you work on the farm as well? Um, well, my dad was a mechanic, so we had pine trees, so we didn't have animals. Yeah. So <laughs> we did, like, stuff to clean up the trees and clean up the workshop and work on the cars and do all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then you had to ride your bike to school. Uh, or we could ride our bike. It was yeah. like a seven, uh, about a seven K bike. right? Or we could take an hour long loop on the bus because we were first to be picked up and last to be dropped off. Right. So we would start to, my brother and I would start to ride our bikes cause it was a lot faster yeah. than, than the bus. Yeah. Um, can you remember when you started to move in a different way uh so it wasn't just like moving around the farm or working with your horses or riding a bike can you remember when the moving came a little bit more about you and what that looked like um yeah that started when i was about 12 um and i started to take up running uh, as a means of, again, it was, it started to get to school faster to change it up <laughs> bike riding. Um, so I would, I would run to school. Um, but then that running started to lead into like getting home. And instead of having some afternoon tea and then going to train my horse, it was run, don't eat, go train my horse, do my homework, go to bed. And then like unhealthy habits started to form from that running and then from that lack of eating, which led me into developing a pretty serious eating disorder, uh, which I didn't think was anything. Uh, it just started to kind of, it, it ultimately is you stop eating in this, um, it's, it's not another being, but it's a, it's like a voice in your head starts to eat away at you and your presence of who you are gets almost like overclouded and covered up by this other, other being, other thought process in your head because of the actions that you start to do. So yeah. that was, yeah, it was a pretty, <clears throat> yeah. Running became this, bad bad thing for me because it's like it fed it fed this addiction that I had to then starting to lose weight and get skinny and run more 
eat less, run more, eat less, make bad life choices. And yeah. and this did this start at like around 12? Yeah, when I was about 12, just before, just before high school. Yeah, do you remember, was there a moment uh, that put you into this journey? Was there... There was a conversation, I, I just, this is what I think, I overheard uh, uh, my grandmother say that I had large thighs. Um, yeah. And then I got caught up on that. I don't even know if it was what I heard, but it's the only trigger I can remember what I heard. So then that was, oh, I, I don't want large thighs. Um, so I used to cover them up, wear baggy shorts and run to try and shrink them. Yeah. It was the only thing I knew how to do. Like, I guess living on a farm, simple life. Um, you weren't, we weren't around a lot of technology and stuff. So it was just do what you have, you can do with the resources that you have around you. Yeah. And that's so, that point I think is so powerful because the exposure that we have today, like the, the social media and there is so much exposure, but you grew up on a farm and we didn't have that back then when we were that young, we didn't have social media. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have anything like magazines or anything to like the comparison, but the power of somebody's words. Yeah. One, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it wasn't, maybe it had something no. to do with it or maybe you don't know, but like it could be the power of somebody's words that could, you know, in one moment just change oh, how. Completely yeah, shift how what think. you think. Yeah. About yourself. Yeah. And so and also it can, it attaches you to this. It's like anything. So you hear something new, when you're young, you're so vulnerable to things sticking um, yeah. because you do care what people think. You, you don't realize until you get older and until much older <laughs> that what other people think, it doesn't matter. But I think I've only just come to that realization like in the last two years. Yeah, so, or it's like people we choose to put on our team, we care what they think. So there's yeah. like a handful of people that their opinion matters to me. What they think mm. matters, yeah, but they're the people that I love and they're on my team. But like everyone else, it doesn't, they don't matter. What no. they think doesn't matter, yeah. No. So how long did this, um, how long did this journey go on for? Uh, so this went on, I was, I was hospitalized just before. So sort of in that last year of primary school, I was, it's funny because I didn't even know that you majored in, in eating disorders. Oh, didn't you? <laughs> like I knew a little bit, yeah. but it wasn't until I heard yesterday. I'm like, I didn't think I actually knew that. Um, <laughs> it was pretty much so through my year of being 12 before I went to high school, I just started to decline. And then I got hospitalized because I was so underweight that like my liver, my kidneys, my heart, everything was starting to fail. Uh, so I was, again, living in the country. They didn't have the resources where I lived. So I had to get taken to a special facility in Auckland. So me coming from Whangarei, um, which is like three hours away. Um, and I was put in hospital. I, 
I'm not very aware of what's going on. I get little glimpses. I, mm. I haven't shut everything out. Um, where I was tube fed to try and just get and monitor just to get my vital, my vital signs, everything back to like a normal functioning human. Um, but it was all forced. Yeah. So <laughs> it didn't matter. It's, it didn't matter that it was life threatening to me because my mindset didn't, didn't think like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter of life and death. It was a matter of kind of being and living with this, this thing that was controlling me and winning to that was being thin. And, you know, if you were thin, you're in control. If you're yeah. in the hospital, you were out of control. So it didn't matter like all the people that were interfering or, or intervening, they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's, it sounds so silly to talk about no the, it's the it's stubbornness not yeah. no the stubbornness to to my mindset was my parents were wrong I hated them everything why would they want to hurt me like this by making me better because I didn't yeah. want to be better but that was because it's like I was completely consumed by this disease I don't know if you call it a disease yeah you call it a disease yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so from being in hospital and being, uh, tube fed, uh, what, what does it look like after that? What does the recovery look like for you and how long did it take? Um, so I was, once I was, um, like to a weight, which, I think I dropped. So I, I literally, I haven't grown from when I was 12. The size and height I am now is what I was when I was 12. Yeah. I completely stunted my growth. Uh, so. But for those um, of you who don't, you don't see her or know her, she's very tall. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was like, uh, I'm 5'10", so uh, just under 178 centimetres. I had a size 10 foot um, when I was 12. And then because of this, I, I, I just stayed. I stayed exactly at that, that height and that foot size and everything. Um, my weight dropped to uh, 34 kilos. So I'm not sure what that is, like BMI. But not that BMI means yeah. anything. But um, like... I mean, I weigh about 72 kilos now. So I was half of yeah. what I was then. So um, I think I had to get to like 38 kilos tube fed. And then I was put into a, like a, a pretty much a child's mental basement piece of the hospital. Yeah, a re um, rehabilitation, the eating disorder ward, the eating disorder. Oh, it was, was it? it was all children with all sorts of, so I was the only one with an eating disorder. Oh, wow. Um, huh. Other children of just all other mental illnesses were yeah. in this little crazy place. Pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, like you had a room. Um, my mum my mum had to go through all this. She stuck by my side the whole time. She stayed at the Ronald McDonald's oh, house. Like, 
house yeah. um, because we were so far away from, we were three hours from where I lived. Uh, and I was schooled in this place, but I was only allowed to go to school once I got my weight up again because it was too much too much brain stimulation. So I literally had to lie on a bed and have to be watched like I was in prison. I couldn't lift my feet up. I couldn't lift my head up. I couldn't lift my hands up. If I was moving on the bed too much, I was like told to stop. Like any kind of movement was too many calories to burn. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Fast forward through all that, I was, I was there for uh, at least three, at least three months in that, and then I, it's like, okay, cool. I think it was, I think it was fifty-two kilos. So from thirty-four for fifty-two, I was allowed to go home. Yeah. Uh, and with my mindset, I then started to go, okay, cool. I can go home. Uh, and that started to then, sh- like, it's like, oh, get determined. Yes, let's tick this box. Let's do what they want. Because mm-hmm. once you're out and you're free, we can win again. Yeah. And so, like, this relapsing, I got out, I got home, and then I kind of I pretty much, like, relapsed on it. And you get really um, mani- manipulative. Yeah. Uh, I had to have... Uh, weekly weigh-ins you get sneaky with how you do things I had to get counseling sessions with my parents Uh, it didn't matter or it didn't matter what these people were saying to me they could talk until they they were blue in the face (laughs) I was not going to listen to anything they had to say Um, so I yeah this went on pretty much till I was 15 I was in and out of hospital Uh, I would I still remember to this day I had these knuckle bones we used to play with as kids and I took all my dad's fishing sinkers and I used to tie them up in jewelry bags and put them inside my underwear for all my weigh-ins to so that I proved that I was what they wanted the numbers to be uh, but I was winning in the end yeah <laughs> that's what I thought <laughs> uh, and then that I mean that was it was awful. Like I was, I was literally a prisoner in my own body. Um, my parents, my brother, I was this awful person that they couldn't talk to. Um, my mum used to say my eyes, she could tell when she was talking to me and when she was talking to this other thing, my eyes would go black. Um, but she did tell me I communicated through letters, um, which I don't remember. Some, I used to write my mum letters of how I actually felt. Uh, I, I don't know what I said, but yeah, yeah, this was things that I couldn't say out aloud because I w- couldn't, wasn't allowed to. It was, I, yeah. It was, a, it was in a way to express. It was like an yeah. immediate, a creative outlet for you to express. I think it was more because I didn't hate my parents. I hated what they were doing, yeah. but I was trapped by the disease that, it's like I was writing to them to say, I don't mean everything that I'm doing. Like, it's not me. Yeah. I'm sorry that I'm doing it, but I can't help myself from doing it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was awful. So I wasn't allowed to ride my horse. I wasn't, I just, just, I was allowed to do nothing. Um, and I literally just woke up. I, I woke up one morning and it's like, it was gone. It's like it had vanished out of my system. 
and I said to my mum, I was like, I want breakfast. And they're like, what? I'm like, I want to eat. Like, I don't want this anymore. I want to ride my horse. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want this. Um, and it was just like, it was literally like a flick of the switch. I don't, I still don't know to this day how it happened or why it happened or what prompted it. But I just decided that I didn't want that anymore. Um, and yeah, I just started to <laughs> literally start to eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> like anything. Like I was on such a calorie deficit. I ate myself just bad, bad stuff. Like terrible. Like mum used to buy block, king size blocks of Cadbury chocolate. And I think I'd eat one for afternoon tea every day I got home. The, the body. <laughs> And those of you that can hear, can hear Amy's, <laughs> Amy's dog sitting there with her. Having <laughs> I mean, conversation. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the body was starved for so long. And mm. so uh, it needs to be refueled <laughs> and re-nourished. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and starved at the worst worst time which I guess that's that is that's the time then, though. <laughs> yeah generally when it starts is around around that age and so you were 15 uh when this happened when you woke up and decided that this didn't you didn't want this to be your identity mm. you didn't want this yeah. to be your story and you wanted to go and do things that you loved again like riding yeah. a horse and and moving and yeah. Um, and so from here, uh, how did your relationship to movement change? So you were running all the time, but then you've gone through this and you wanted to, um, to be different. You wanted to be different. You wanted a, a different story. What does it look like now? Um, I guess the, um, I then started to take on movement as uh, I guess you call it as management yes. <laughs> exercise. <laughs> uh, you know, once you, once you have one thing, you are literally just managing the next thing. So then I moved it into a way that I could eat and eat healthily. Well, what I thought at the time with the education of uh, the health system was, <laughs> you know, eat your carbohydrates and do this and do that. And, um, just I just started to manage it with movement uh which kind of landed me in I'd never been to a gym in my life uh, yeah until I I was about 18 uh and then I was like whoa what is this why do you go inside and do stuff what's wrong with you yeah. people <laughs> but let's hold like there you didn't call it movement though did you no no, yes, we're using this word exercise. that we're using at the end of our story. <laughs> yeah. So it was exercise. It was exercise. Yeah. yeah. And then why did you exercise? I exercised pretty much to manage my body composition. So it was like you could eat if you did your exercise. It was literally, yeah, it, it, in my head, like it, when I do, I look back at it now. It was like, it was pretty much you had to earn. I had to earn my right to eat, did my exercise, could eat. And if they all stayed in balance, life was okay. And I could manage my life. Yeah. And if they didn't stay in balance? Um, 
I never had any really, really bad, like I never fell into that deep, dark hole again. I guess are just the uh, voices in my head and all the stories uh, got louder if, if things got out of balance. Uh, so my, it's like my job to keep my life level was just to keep, keep those two balanced, which is, it's, it's that's also just as bad. <laughs> You're literally a slave to exercise so okay. that you can nourish your body. Yeah. So this is when you were 18. What were you doing uh, in, with your life at, uh, at this point? Um, well, that was pretty much fast forward. I had moved to, uh, like I sort of got through 15 to 18 and then I had, was doing my last year of high school. Um, I took a year off before high school and I just started doing body weight based, like aerobic-y like stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to a couple of, my friend, I went to like a body pump and body combat and body attack classes. So yeah, it was like body weight based stuff. I still was riding my horses. Um, I was starting to do a bit of sculpture, sculpture work at that stage when I was 18, 17, 18. Sculpture with what? Metal. metal. So I started metal. to, um, I started to explore like with my dad being a, being a mechanic. Uh, I'd always been doing up cars and yeah, doing up cars, fixing stuff for him. And then I started to explore with his rubbish pretty much. I used to <laughs> weld his rubbish together. And dad, do you want this? Can I have this? Why do you want that, Amy? It's junk. Oh, I think I might make a clock out of it. <laughs> it's a spark plug and an old bearing. And yeah, so I, I guess I started to fulfill my life with other activities that then uh, took away from, oh, food exercise food exercise school and all that yeah um and I, I i guess i started to balance things out a little more um or you could put it as fill your time differently yeah um it's funny when you look back to then time time was you had so much time yeah <laughs> these days i'm like where is all my time yeah <laughs> we'll get to that yeah <laughs> Um, and so you're in New Zealand and then you did Les Mills, didn't you? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I, that was, that was the, that was like the, the big jump. I, I moved to Wellington and I went to uni once I'd taken my year off, started doing classes again, obsessive amounts of classes, you know, back to back classes. I would have trained in the morning and then gone and done two classes in the evening um, but I could eat more food, <laughs> yeah. do more classes, eat more food. Um, yeah. Like Les Mills full on into Les Mills got asked to become, uh, like a trainer, did all the rookie school, became a trainer, taught body pump, taught the boxing classes, did boxing, like a, was part of like a boxing academy, which was lots of training. Yeah. lots of like endless hours in the gym yeah it's great now this is my job I have to do it <laughs> exactly yeah no one will think this is weird now no, no. this is my job <laughs> yeah so yeah that was that was the Les Mills 
and it was fun. It was really fun. Um, it's funny. I look back now and the, I was talking to one of my clients this morning on the stuff I used to do. And from the outside, I was, I was very strong and very capable and fit, fit the, the, uh, the definition of what, you know, he thought was fit, it's like cardio and yeah. <laughs> I can do lots of burpees and I can yeah. run. <laughs> yeah. I have no strength. I'm literally a wet noodle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which is kind of what then landed me in, in Melbourne. Um, after I traveled, I went traveling, went traveling for four and a half months and, and then stopped in Melbourne to visit my brother. Uh, but we still was just that basic, basic gym mentality, reps, slight bodybuilding like stuff, a bit of legs, a bit of chest, a bit of back, um, tick all the boxes, get all the stuff done every week. Um, have your little routine that you go through do cardio make sure you do yeah. cardio <laughs> always, always do your cardio yeah <laughs> and this is where we met so we met in uh i think oh what was it 2011 11 i think yeah yeah um and we worked together uh we were both uh personal trainers at a gym together and then that's when we first met yeah. Um, and then Doing I our sprints on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely running. Cause I used to run a lot as well. Doing our sprints doing yeah. quite, I guess, traditional. What yeah. You, straight yeah. lines. <laughs> yeah. Straight lines. <laughs> Half squats. Reps. Set. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember one day you came to the gym because I was doing my masters then and I was, really unwell like I had a bad back and it kept on flaring up all the time and then I had a hormonal imbalance and I was a like a bloody mess really and this we hadn't known each other for quite a couple of years I think then yeah. uh and I remember you said one day you need to go and see this trainer he'll be able to help you with your back and you would come back to the gym, I think it was like a couple of months now, and you would say, yeah, I've been going to this place. And it's like really cool. <laughs> like, they do these really cool things. And like I have this trainer that just does all these different types of like training and movement and you would talk about it. And I was still stuck back into oh. like, no, I've got to do 10Ks on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and I didn't really listen for a little while until one day my back was so bad and you're like, no, you have to go and see him. And so talk to me about, okay, so we were in a commercial gym. It was a corporate gym, um, very traditional. And then you went and you ventured to this place that was in a garage <laughs> and you found these people that were doing these weird things. <laughs> yeah. I, um, well, I found, I, that's where I started CrossFit. Uh, I'd been, I'd played a little bit with CrossFit in New Zealand just before I left, um, with one of my friends who actually owns the gym in Wellington, Mike, um, and then I went to CrossFit St Kilda and I met Jules, which everyone on this podcast has heard about Jules. <laughs> Jules, Jules is like, he's like a, a unicorn, but he's a guy. <laughs> yeah. he, and he's so straightforward 
I was doing CrossFit and I guess CrossFit, CrossFit was another, another like drug. It was just this, it, it fed my obsession of what I needed to do. It was like hard, high intensity, lifted weights, terrible form, lifted weights, had awful mobility. And he used to come up to me and go, you should train with me. You want to, you want to be a real athlete. And it was something along the lines of that. I can make you a real athlete. Um, and would see him doing all this cool stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I want to, I want to be a real athlete. Um, did some sessions with him and he used to just freaking hurt me, not hurt me in a way of, um, like he would, he would get into like my lats or my quads cause everything was so tight. And then he'd ask me to like pull a band apart and I couldn't do it. Uh, he'd asked me to squat, like not, not squat halfway, like, like actually show me a squat. I couldn't get down. Everything was like bound up like a tight ball. And I, I remember him like getting his finger, like he'd get in my subscap and release all this stuff. Like the amount of times I'm lying on a ball and he's trying to release my shoulder. And I'm just like, what the hell is this guy doing? This is not exercise. Yeah. He's going to make me an athlete. This is not going to make me stronger or faster or better. What is this shit? <laughs> um, but I guess I just started to persist with it and like, and send me away with like a hundred tricep extensions with a band. Like I do in my doorway um, and all these pull aparts and all this like just stuff that I thought was just, just silly. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't going to help me get anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it was like, and, and I tell clients these days, it's like, you have to work from the bottom up. And right now, you're not even like, he would say, he's like, you're not even at the bottom. You are this far in a deficit of like, can't do anything. <laughs> you have to get, you have to get to the bottom level. And that means doing all this stuff. So if you do all this stuff, you'll be able to then start doing this stuff and this stuff will help you get better at, like, you'll be able to press more or like he would relate it to like, yeah, like a strict press or a, a squat. It's like, if you do all these things, which are, hard and boring you will get better at these things but if you don't do these things you'll never do the fun stuff <laughs> but that's like the this is the this is the not sexy stuff this mm -hmm. is the, the stuff that is so boring and i remember the first time that i saw him and my homework was three exercises it was like a um a half like hollow body that i couldn't even hold for 30 seconds it was a top down deadlift so you have the weight already yep. and then you like the pink, slowly the pink, yeah. eight kilo kettlebell yes you slowly <laughs> bend your knees and there was just these three exercises and i i felt the same thing walking away well like this is not going to fix me. This is not exercise. Like I need to do more to like yeah. fix me. But yeah. I spent 12 months doing the unsexy, unfun things. But now I have such a strong, resilient spine. And since mm -hmm. 2014, I've not had one problem with my back. And mm. So yeah, it was the, the unsexy fun things. Yes. Yes. And you just had to stick at it. Uh, and once you sort of, it's almost like once you, you didn't have to prove you could do it. He knew, he knew if you'd done it because your movement would show that 
So then it was literally just a, you would evolve as, as you did the work, you put the time in your, like what he would allow you to work on got more and more exciting. So then I guess that's, that became this slight, this addiction process. You're like, put the work in, do the homework, do my homework, do my homework, do my homework three times a day. If I do it three times a day, I'm going to get to the next level faster. Yep. <laughs> my triceps are going to freaking like pop out the back of my arm. These, uh, if I do these. But it's stronger. <laughs> I'm going to get there quicker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which also isn't the way it works either. <laughs> like it's it's all a process that I just didn't respect I guess a lot of the time I just always thought oh I can I can do it this way more I always believed more was better more yeah. got you everything you wanted you put more time in you put more hours in you would get stronger you would get better but yeah okay. I I also thought that as well yeah. Yeah. Well, we used ah. to spend like two hours every morning and then usually the afternoon. As yeah. Well. And so, yeah, let's go into that, to that <laughs> journey. <laughs> so I met Jules and met, I guess you can call them a tribe of these mm. people that were in this place and uh, they were training a lot, uh, but very differently. And I was so attracted to that. Uh, and I, it became my mission to never be a weak girl again, to never be in pain. So I became obsessed and fascinated with, just like Amy said, fixing. Oh, yep, I've got homework. I'm going to do it five times. Okay, next thing. Oh, yep. Okay, I can do it over and over. But, yeah, we talk about it like that, but it was all all also so much fun. We created, we like had, a, it was bum club. That's oh, what yeah, Jules called club. it. Yeah, yeah, every morning yeah. At, at 10 a.m. we had bum club where we'd come and we would all train together as a group and we would be doing different things and we'd be working on different things and then we'd come together and we would move. We would tr yeah. move and train and push each other and... Um, try, try new things. Try new things. <laughs> and this is where this concept of play and exploration was introduced to me because I never, ever, I come from a dancing and a gymnastics background, which was choreography, routine. You do the exercise, you learn the movement. Then I ran and that's all I did. And then we did traditional training and I never, ever thought about like putting play into it or exploring and being around jewels and this concept of like play uh, yeah. was introduced to me. Uh, and I rumbled with that and resisted it for a really long time because I just wanted to do the exercise. I wanted to be given the program and to do the homework to get the result. <laughs> yeah. Follow it, follow it, get to the next level, follow yeah. next level. And as yeah. he progressed as a trainer and a teacher and a mover, his work with like us progressed. But mm. that made me so uncomfortable because I was like, I found Olympic weightlifting and that's all I wanted to do. Mm. I was good at it and I wanted yeah. to be better at it. And it was number focused and it was outcome focused <laughs> and performance driven. And so he would do our sessions sometimes and put in this stuff that I was like, 
No, I don't want to. What's the point? Yeah, what's the point? (laughs) I just want to lift. Like I want to actually work hard, even though it was such hard work, but he would start to incorporate this stuff, this, this flow, this movement, Mm. this hand balancing. And I was so attached to weightlifting. I was like, I just want to weightlift. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You get on that, that track of only doing the thing that I want to work towards is going to make me better at that. Not, Oh, if I explore other avenues and work on other things, I come back to what I want to do and, whoa, I'm so balanced. Like, you know, you can't push me off my two feet um, because I've been doing all this alternative movement, I guess you could say. Alternative, different to people Mm. that, yeah, I guess the, um, in the fitness industry or how they would think normal training or exercise is, it's, Mm. it's, it's called movement. Uh, And then I guess our sessions kind of took a different, we we played we would yeah. come in and we would make up routines and flows oh, that was so and fun we, i know and we would just <laughs> we would explore and we would just make the session up which i would have never have done before but it was so no. helpful having other people there and having you there to do that yeah and see it's okay it's okay to yeah. it's again you get caught in your own your own stories of what's okay with your life. And it's like, these other people, they're not following their list of exact movements today. They're doing something else and they're still strong and they're still capable. And yeah, yeah, it's like, Oh, I don't have to just be a machine all the way through. Yeah. I can, I can do something different and like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Mm, yeah 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 it's um, it's, it's crazy to talk about it like that that and it was though it was complimentary really oh, all that totally. stuff made made us better movers better athletes it made us stronger uh if i didn't do that and i just did weightlifting um i would have been injured sooner or my body would have broken down or um this different way of moving as a way to like nourish and nurture and the way mm. that we're meant to move our body. Or, or just that we're meant to, but we can't because we've just been moving in straight lines. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to come over here and you're going to lean. Oh, you can't even, I can't even lean to the left. Like you would find yeah. pieces of your body that were stuck and moving in blocks and they had no, they had no flow the way you couldn't articulate them the way that they should have moved. They just were like hinge, squat, press, straight line, take an arm off. No, I can't do that. I have to stay on my four points of contact. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this, I don't know about you, but this journey became an obsession for me though. I, when I found weightlifting, uh, it became such a fascination and obsession that they became my life. That's all I would do three or four hours a day, every day. Um, My tribe, that's all we did. And like, it was amazing. It was. And I learned so much about training and moving and the body. And, um, but it became an obsession for me that was in the end, like at the detriment to my health, to my body um, through injury. And then at the detriment to so many of my relationships, even the relationship with Jules, 
Um, Cause I couldn't see, I couldn't listen. I couldn't find the fun in it anymore. I couldn't find the playfulness. I was so attached to the outcome um, and writing in my training diary and <laughs> that there would be moments of playfulness, like when we would go into the gym and do something, but I would come yeah. always come back to like, yeah. I had to do my training. I had yeah. to do what was programmed. I do remember that. We yeah. would be like 20 minutes, 20 minutes of play <laughs> and then you would go off and do your program. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's only in the last three years since when I injured my rib before I moved to Canada uh, mm. that I have realized what, what my relationship to weightlifting did to my other relationships and to my body. Uh, and I was just coming at it from this place of fear and scarcity I was just so afraid of like not being worthy of like now I was identified, I identified myself or my um, worth was on the bar on being this strong athlete of being this beautiful weightlifter. Uh, and so I had only realized that attachment after I injured my rib and I couldn't lift for six months. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm so attached to this. And I didn't want to do anything else. And I fell into a deep, dark hole. And like, it was, it was, a te it was terrible. And I felt the same that I did in 2014 about my back. I just felt yeah. weak and broken. And I thought it was permanent. And it was, mm -hmm. it was yeah. never going to end. And I just wanted to get back to the bar. There was no curiosity about what had happened to my body. Jules kept saying, hey, this is like, learn, learn yeah, about it, play, explore. What is it telling you? And I'm like, no, you tell me what to do to get back at the bar. And then I yeah. thought, okay, I have a problem. And so I walked away from the barbell. And when yeah. I moved and I touch it sometimes now, but the biggest learning for me was you need to come from a place of love and abundance. It just needs to be about connection to your body. What is it teaching you? So today when you move your body, what is it teaching you? What did you learn? Because the movement or the training or the exercise really is just a lever to connect. Um, can you talk to me about, because I know you were in a very similar place, <laughs> which was, you know, you were like, had to get the muscle up, had to do oh. this, had to do that. Like the muscle art was a massive a journey for you. And look, I'm not saying these aren't cool things. Like to have uh, a goal is so cool to like get good at something and learn a skill. It is really cool, but there's a difference between learning it from this fear and scarcity and just being so focused and obsessed with the outcome, then learning it from this place of fun and joy yeah. and abundance. And that's like yeah. the big difference. There is no joy in it at all it was it was a, it was that crossfit thing again uh that the open i would it would always be roadblocked by muscle up so i would i was very like cardio fit and i would it was i think a 14 and this one pinpoint i remember it was like a 14 minute amrap and it was 150 war balls 90 double unders and then 15 muscle-ups or something like that. I so did these like two movements, for you don't know, if they are like Amy's jam. <laughs> yeah. 
She's got femurs for days and she's so good at wall bowling and she is probably the best skipper and double under you have ever met in your life. So yeah, this this was such a, a hard moment because I I did the 150 wall balls unbroken. I did the 90 double unders unbroken in like less than six minutes. I was like top, top 10 in the world or something for that time frame to get to the muscle arts. And then I could not do a single muscle up and like, everyone's like, come on. I'm like, I was trying my hardest and I wasn't strong enough to do, to do this movement. It was too high skilled, but I also was so attached to getting one that it was like, I needed this. I needed this so much that I couldn't even focus on the steps that I was doing to get it. Um, Which just led to this (laughs) pretty much, Oh God, how many years? four maybe five years of strict pull-ups strict weighted pull-ups <laughs> ring dips I think it took me three years to get one ring dip uh so even if I had gotten over the muscle up and gotten up into the rings I was not strong enough to press my body weight out of the bottom um so it was just years and years of like strict gymnastics training and just learning to control my body to pull to push it um, my arms and legs are just so long. So I was just going down, 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 down. And then I just <laughs> get out of anything. Um, yeah. And the muscle up was just, it became such as an unhealthy obsession. It's like all I wanted to do, everything else didn't matter anymore. Um, and then, but did you uh, get it after about five years? I got yeah, it. She got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a strict muscle up as well. It wasn't a kipping muscle up. Like, yes. Like I could do gymnastics. With, yeah, gymnastics. like full control up and down. Um, and I think yeah. you should be proud of that. Like I think yeah. that yes, it was an obsession, and but I think there's some power in when we want to choose to be a specialist for a little while, and by that I mean we just want to focus on one thing. So whether mm. that's strict gymnastics, you focus for so long to get this upper body strength that you just didn't yeah. Have. That I, I didn't have yeah, for so long to get a strong spine through Olympic weightlifting, and we became specialists. And when mm. you're a specialist, there is this, this, this. We are obsessed. You have to be because you have to like practice it a lot. And so I think that it's not necessarily bad. Again, it comes back to our context because mm. we didn't really enjoy the journey. It was always just so focused on that, like obtaining the skill or the outcome. But what else but, did it teach you? So, uh, okay, the, yes, you got the skill of the muscle up, but like what did it teach you about yourself and life on that journey? I mean, the muscle up and any, one of the best things is pretty much everything I tried to do, I sucked at so much <laughs> that I had to go through every single progression to be able to do the movement that my like repertoire of, of like progressions to do something is so big. Cause I like went through this layer and then, okay, cool. Then I did this layer. Then I did, I can do negatives for days. I could control, <laughs> like, you know, I could do pauses every progression. Like I would learn how to do. And that would just give me like a little bit more, a little bit more like an onion, like layer it up, layer it up. And then like and pull off those layers and go, Oh yeah, that was a really good drill. So, you know, people, want to learn how to do something now I've been through so many different trials of of different progressions that I can say yeah 
this one. Let's try this one for you. Okay, that doesn't work for you. Uh, this one. You know, it gives you so many options that you can pass on to others. So do you, it, uh, do you think it made you a better teacher? Yes. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> and you also understand, you understand what it's like when someone tries to do something and cannot do even the first part of it. You're like, don't worry. I have been there. I have yeah. done that. And they're like, whatever. You're showing me like that movement right now. And I'm like, yeah, that took me five years to do. <laughs> And they're like, what's wrong with you? Why would you stick with something for five years? <laughs> like, you're mad. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't say mad. I wouldn't say mad. I would say that there are so many skills that you were able to cultivate from just that one skill, like patience, mm -hmm. determination, motivation, awareness. Like, there are so many things in learning, in learning that. Um, yeah. but I know definitely my journey made me a better teacher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and, um, I guess you, you're more, you're, you're more likely to try new stuff because you're okay at sucking at it. <laughs> so you'll give it a try and you're like, eh, I'm not very good at this, but I've been there and I know yeah. if I put some time into it, I, I'm going to be better. Like I will improve as long as I put in the time. Yeah. And that's important because everything's learnable. Like mm. someone can see something and think that they can never do it, but yeah. uh, it is, it's just time. But yeah. uh, what's really important and where my work is going is that what, what, what place is it coming from? Because if it's yeah. coming from this place of fear and scarcity or to change the weight, shape or size, or just to get yeah. the outcome, like you're not going to find joy um, and no. it will be at the detriment to your health or to your relationships. And it's just, yeah. So yeah, there is, yeah, it's the joy. The joy is a big thing when you're so results, when you're so results focused on something, you, you're just ticking the boxes because they're just part of getting to the end. And yeah. I spent years just, it was, yeah, like I'm like, I've, you know, got to work to this, got to work on this to get better at that, to work on that, to make sure it's going in line with where I want to go. And it wasn't, I learned a lot, but it, it wasn't enjoyable. I didn't enjoy my time doing it when I look back. So do you but still it, do it now? Um, well, it's funny because the, the whole muscle up sort of, strict gymnastics sort of thing led me well it was more my I had a hip problem mm. um which came that was like a, I mean that's where a lot of the upper body focus went because I couldn't walk my hip flared up so bad that like I was leaning on my bike to walk and Jules came in to play with that again um where he helped to sort of he learned, he, he, he didn't know everything of what was going on with my hip and neither did I, but he allowed me to push into pain realms to try and explore what was going on. Um, what had happened was I was actually born with dislocated hips. Uh, it was all corrected uh, when I was younger. Uh, and then I was, it was 2014 
2014, I started to gain some mobility. So this was, again, I started to explore other realms of not moving in straight lines and doing other stuff. I worked on my mobility. I, I gained mobility, but I did not. I literally overstretched everything to get this mobility, which was then useless. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm super stretchy. I'm super bendy <laughs> now because I can do all this cool stuff. But, oh, I can't even stand on one leg. Like, I, I became so bendy through again, obsession, putting hours and hours and hours into doing all this like PNF stretching and, but I didn't put any work into strengthening these new areas that I'd like chipped out and <laughs> broken down. So then just turned into this like wet noodle. Um, but that, that sort of then the pain in my hip and this confusion and whatnot, got an MRI and I actually, my hips, I have chronic hip dysplasia in both sides. It was very bad on my right. And I just started to get all these issues like walking. I just couldn't walk. I could not run. At that stage, running wasn't like the be all and end all anymore. But like to this day, I, I, I don't run. Um, and so that went through this whole upper body exploration. Um, I had to manage my hip. I had to deal with pain. I had to do, again, go back with Jules, do all these exercises that hurt. Like I used to tie my hip up with a band and like push it into flexion and extension and do this weird bendy stuff with it wrapped up and like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, come out all the other side of that. I, I mean, I still have, I still have pain now and I've, I have to get a hip replacement, but I'm just trying to, um, push it till I'm older because I have such good range now, as long as I do like my single leg work. Um, as long as I keep on top of keeping my hips, my glutes, my quads strong and mobile, it has to be a perfect balance. <laughs> um, then I'm okay. But I have the odd flare up days and it's, it can be a bit consuming and a bit annoying. Um, but that kind of led me down this path of, of climbing. I wanted a break from everything and I decided to go to Thailand three and a half years ago, three and a half, just over three and a half years ago. Yeah. It was just uh, before I left. That's when you started to get into climbing. Yeah. And good old obsessive, uh, natured <laughs> Amy was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Like I went to, to Thailand, I climbed, I came back and I'm like, See you later, CrossFit. I am going climbing. Like, <laughs> I am going to climb. I'm going to get good at climbing. I guess because I jumped into this thing and all the work that I'd done since 2011, all that band pull apart work, I, I like my scapulas moved like looking like a bird's wings. Like, you know, <laughs> I had good range. I could do nice pull ups. I could, you know, do the strict muscle up. I, my hip had then made me deal with doing single leg activities. So I was. I was definitely weaker on my right and I still am, but I had great awareness. I had good mobility because I'd opened up. I then jumped into climbing and I was like, I was good at climbing. Mm. And it was the first time I'd done something that I'm a newbie and I stepped in and I'm like, I'm not like really, really shit. Like, <laughs> but except like a no technique. I'm just like, rah, rah, like yeah. thug on the wall, like pulling <laughs> I can do pull-ups. I'm just going to, I would relate myself to like, to like a guy who gets like a new guy who goes along and does climbing and they're just yeah. like bent arm, bicep, like, blah, blah, blah. and that's how, that's how I climb. But 
you know, I could sort of pull myself through things and it was nice to just not be super shit at something for the first time in my life (laughs) when it came to movement. Um, But yeah, so that's what I do now. And it has been the best. It's been the best change for me because it, it made me be like in my train, like I, I still call it training. I still train but my training, because I'm a very structured person, <laughs> as you know, with uh, my schedule and my life, um, I, I run things that it's like, I, I believe in structured play because. <laughs> <laughs> hey, because, word plays in there. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel sometimes if I'm just, I, I kind of have to have a purpose a little bit of a purpose. Like I'm, I'm going into something I want to, I want to make sure I'm getting like, I I get lost. Otherwise you get lost and you're like rolling around the ground and you're like, Oh, I've only been on my left leg the whole time. So it's more like structure to be balanced in my play and not favoring my good sides or not favoring things I'm good at. Uh, I'm very good at doing stuff. I'm not good at. So it's like, I will play with a movement that makes me feel um, bad at it. (laughs) And I will play with that feeling and just work on trying to get better at at whatever that feeling is. Um, For climbing, there's, again, it's like, that's why I say structured play. It's like, I've started to work on like the two days, I'll do two days of accessory training a week, sometimes three. It's always picking out stuff that I really like to do from like the lifting side of things, looking at the things I need to be more stable for climbing. Uh, so your upper body needs to be nice and stable. You need to be able to put yourself in weird positions and press from odd shapes and nothing is, nothing's balanced. Like you're not two feet flat on the ground. You're never two arms. It's all like unilateral, but odd shapes. So I try to make my training in ways that it's going to sort of simulate what climbs might feel like, like I'm hanging from something and then I'm trying to drag something along or it's, but it's, it's more in a, it's rather than how it was before it was like, get these sets, get these reps done. It's, it's more in a way that is helping me to improve my climbing, but also just keep enjoy training because if training is boring uh and so routined then i feel like i've gone back to the those days of being like trapped and consumed by it yeah um, from what i'm hearing is that the climbing has created this lever to your body that you now come from like if you're on the wall and you're trying to do something and something might be a little bit hard or tricky, or you notice something in the body, there's like an awareness there. You have like this, it's a, you're connected. And so then you take that awareness or what you've learned and then you put it into your training yeah. like outside of the wall or outside of climbing. It's like, Hey, I noticed this about my body this is like what I'm going to do about it. And then, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but so this might become this like structured play type type of thing. There's some intent there. There's some awareness, but there is still also an element of this like exploration. 
that yes. you need to do to kind of figure it out. Yeah, because if, if you just feel you're following a plan, you're not really evolving in that plan either. And it's like if you, it's like if you, I don't even, I don't even know how to put it. Um, yeah, like I think that if you're given a program, you're given a certain way to train or you train a certain way and you don't do anything really other than that, there's no room for like exploration or like um, play or like the things that I learned about my body would come from the sessions that maybe I'm doing something that is like this playfulness or this exploration. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think what people find it really hard or they don't even know how to do it. And so no. because people aren't connected or aware of their body. So they need someone to tell them what to do. And I think that's okay because we needed someone to tell us what to do. And we also needed someone to tell us how to actually play <laughs> and explore. Yeah. And I guess playing is going to make you better. Yeah. And I guess um, that's where our work is now. It's that, from our journey, I try and teach people, yes, I give them like how to train, like the, the method, the process, like all this work that we understand because we've done it. But then I also try and empower them and teach them to actually learn how to connect and listen to their body and to become like their own teachers. So mm -hmm. then they can understand, um, yeah, I think, but people, people don't know how to do that. So no, they, they don't know how think to. It's okay either. It's like, oh, that's, but that's not gonna. It's that whole. It comes back to that whole thing of like, that's not gonna make me stronger. Yeah, like, yeah. There's even in climbing. There's like, there's things that you know you do to get better at climbing, and and there's certain exercises like you know like strict toes to bar and things like that. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. So okay, cool. I'm going to throw some of those in and then I'm going to balance on this box and I'm going to work on trying to like move myself around it. And I'm going to land in a single leg, which all those movements are going to help me with my climbing. But like, I'm, I'm like merging them together. And, and I don't even know if flow is the right word because yeah. flow is such an overused word as well. Um, I'm like, and, and then I will actually say I come up with this, this like, no, I don't know, this, this movement uh, combo. Like a, yeah, it's like a <laughs> movement combo. So it's like I've done like a toes de bar, uh, I've dropped, I've landed on a single leg, I've, I've done like a massive hip circle, rotated down and I've leaned over and now I'm on my left arm and I'm going to try and put my chin on the floor <laughs> and then I'm going to get my way back up. I'm going to crawl my way back up to the bar. Um, like for one of my clients, I, I incorporate, like she has plates and she's done yoga teaching forever. And now she's gone into climbing because it's easier to talk about other people. Um, and I'll come up with these drills where I've got her like crawling under these sticks and she has to get over this box and she has to take a ball with her. And then I'll throw a ball at her and she has to land on like a blue plate. And I'll say blue plate. <laughs> and she yeah. has to like navigate her way over these objects make sure she doesn't hit things on the way. Cause I've got some weird wobbly things that if she knocks all the sticks fall over. So it's like, she's got to move through this and it's not an obstacle course. It's not like a Spartan race or anything <laughs> like that. It's like, it's like boxes and sticks. And then I'm throwing a ball and she has to like, 
she has to be aware that her leg, if she goes through this object and she just focuses on getting her body and her head through and doesn't think about what's happening with her leg behind her, her leg could knock everything down. And she's like made it through this space and it's all good. And she's like, cool. I head through. Oh, I just kicked it with my foot, you know, like, yeah, just, yeah. And oh, it's, it's weird. Cause it's, it's a lot of people just don't, don't see that as that's like, that's not training. That's not going to make you better. It's not going to, yeah. but at the same time, I still, I still do like, I'll do sets and reps of things yeah. because I know that doing pull-ups is good for me. So like my boyfriend and I will at work in our work boots, like, cause I do my sculpture now. Um, we'll do a 10 minute emon and like 10 minutes. So like we're working and we're like, Oh, you know, starting to feel a bit tired. Okay, cool. We're going to go over, we do, you know, three pull-ups, six push-ups every minute for 10 minutes. We go back to work. Yeah. It's like that. That's super structured. There's, we chat, we chat as we're doing it, but we're, we're moving in straight lines and we're just doing stuff to help us be a bit stronger for when we do get on the wall. Um, yeah, and that's important as well. Like to, it is to have a process and a method and to have to work on your strength. But there's also an element of like play and movement because you've just put movement into your day. Yeah. And so you haven't become like it's not a, a 45 minute or a 60 minute window where you only do this. And this is what's really important is like through our journey of learning all of this, we now incorporate movement in our day. It's not, we're yeah. not just obsessed with the training session, but it's like, what can I do with my body in this moment or, you know, in the 10 minutes that I have, or I'm feeling this way. And so we just have this big toolkit that we pull on under this umbrella of what yeah. we call movement, which is all different things. Um, like I've found dance again where I've yeah. tried, I did hardness for so long and then I'm trying to find some softness again. And it's just coming back to this, there's no right or wrong types of training. Uh, it's I think just it's that, tools. That's well, a key yeah, word. it's tools. tools. Like yeah. what tools do you need to learn what you want to do now? Yeah. Mm. And there isn't right or wrong. Um, and so you mentioned your sculpture. So you found you're so creative. You're one of the most talented people that I have ever met. Uh, and, uh, at the end we will give, uh, the listeners your details so they can actually jump on and have a look at the stuff that you create. Cause it is so amazing, but talk to me about how creativity has come back into your life. I guess, uh, the, like Amy said, with the, our little tribe and our movement and, hours and hours and hours a day um for me before i came over here i actually did metal work and when i came over here i no longer had that i no longer had a workshop i no longer had space to do my creating so i i consumed that time with getting obsessed with the movement then when i started to step away from like the lifting and the hours and hours of training um and I started to reignite like my welding. I started to teach welding here. So again, it's like tools, teaching, teaching movement, teaching welding. It's the same. It's the yeah. same thing. You're teaching layers. You teach people a skill. Uh, I say to them, I'll teach you step one. You practice step one. And once you have shown me, this is all in a day. 
like the classes that I run. <laughs> Once you've shown me in probably an hour of doing those little spots, then I'll teach you layer two because layer one is, is important for you to understand layer two and layer two then teaches you layer three. If I just showed you layer one to like level one to five, you, level five, you're never going to get it. So if you like put an hour into one and then you go into two, yeah, whatnot. So I started teaching welding. That's beautiful. That's a really beautiful way to explain it. Yeah, it was just cool. Yeah, and that's is. with everything. Everything it that is. we like are learning. We want to learn. We if it's movement, if it's a skill like that, I really love that. It's it's mm. a layering piece. It's like paper mache. Yeah. And people that you see can do things. They haven't just woken up one day and got there. They have worked their way up to being able to do that skill and now they can execute it beautifully and do it really well but they've put in the hours the time they've done the homework and but yeah like a sort of on a side note um my sculpture I was then teaching but I wasn't doing I wasn't making uh and that I couldn't do that I couldn't teach people having not really welded in a long time so I started to make a change in my schedule and I, used, I started to go to a workshop one day a week um, and I decided that I would make a giraffe, <laughs> like, a, like a big giraffe out of recycled steel. Um, and one day a week for about, they were 12 to 15 hour days, so they were really long, took over nine months and finally I had this giant giraffe that I'd made but I'd kind of like slogged my way through it. It was like, it was brutal. One day a week, really long days. Um, kind of gone back into that vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> We're slow. I like to say humans are slow learners. And then yep. me, especially if you are like this high achieving kind <laughs> of like certain kind of like archetype, again, even more of a slow learner. It takes us a yep. while to like, to understand oh it's just so silly because you look back and you're like oh I did that it just had a different name oh I did that yeah it had a different name like the different things I did in my life it's like oh yeah I fell back into that same trap but um yeah doing my sculptures started to um I, I guess just balance my passions out and be like cool yep today I'm today I'm gonna train people today I'm going to the workshop oh, I need to think about what I'm doing. So it allowed me to like explore what am I doing? How am I going to make this thing? Um, I, I sort of explain my work as I just, I can't draw. I cannot draw. I get a vision. <laughs> I get a vision in my head. And then I'm like, I just go to work and I start making it with my hands. And so, yeah, I'm back doing that now. And I, I love it. It's, it's the best. I, I'm, I, gutted I didn't start it earlier when I moved here to Melbourne but I guess I needed to go through that learning process with my body and um, all the different things that popped up to yeah. allow myself to be able to take that hat off and you know like I have days I'm in the gym I'm coaching and then days I'm in the workshop and I'm and I'm making um, and I'll I, put the link to your um your site that has all your stuff so you can go on there and actually have a look at you know she's created giraffes scissors cakes underwear oh what dog, are you working a on a dog yeah which is yeah. one of your most recent what are you working yeah. on right now 
Uh, so now I'm making like a 2.5 meter owl for a primary yep. school. Um, so I've made a little model. Um, I've got a meeting with the school on Friday where I'm going to show them. Well, when I say little model, it's 1.2 <laughs> meters because <laughs> its wings are really big. So it like just fits in the, I hope it fits in the car. Um, <laughs> uh, because the the school has this mascot of owls all around. Um, so this owl is, it's a primary school that leads into a high school. So kids come in and then they, they grow up and they leave. So the owl's going to go outside in their like courtyard uh, on top of a roof. And I, it's got a lot of movement. So its wings are out. It's got a foot up and it's, it's got this pose of it's, I, I try to create and capture movement in a static sculpture. Yeah. So the hours, it's going to leave. Like just like the kids are all going to leave, but um, it will stay there while they all grow up through school. Um, oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to figure out. Not really spent much time with birds. Yeah, but it's it's a learning. It's learning. Yeah. Um, so figuring it out. To finish off, I am going to ask you a question. Why do you train? Oh, it's a hard one. Why do I train? Training, I guess uh, it's like everything you've learnt in life. Uh, as you get older, you realise you have a lot of baggage. Um, training for me helps keep my life balanced even like it did when I was really sick um, it helped me balance things out nowadays I've learned so much I've been through so much I've cycled through so many things I train because it keeps me balanced and it makes me really able um, you know you got to move a house it's easy to move a house if you are active all the time my sculpture work bending steel and moving stuff around and my giraffe weighed 400 kilos we just had to take it off Turek road the other day we had to carry it carry it along the street and put it in a trailer um i yeah training doesn't i like to feel able and capable um i i love I, that yeah. i think that's really important and uh, we don't speak about that enough mm. yeah how does yeah. it make you feel when you feel able and capable? Um, I, I just feel I can sort of take on anything. Um, you know, like I can help other people out with stuff. Um, I guess for me, it makes me feel independent. Um, I like to feel independent. I like to know that I can do things by myself, but if I need to, I can ask for help. I guess, I uh, yeah. That feeling independence probably goes back to my stubbornness. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would say fun. that you have built just so much trust and attention within your body that it's just really birthed this. Like, I don't like the word confident. I think it gets it's very well loved, but there is this confidence that you have within the body, and uh, like you trust it, you trust it mm. to be able to do things. Mm. And I think that's so powerful. 
in, <laughs> in, in life, like how you show up in like all areas of your life. You have so much trust with your body. Um, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think, it, I think if you don't move and you don't play and you, and you don't even have that structure and that hardness, Structure and hardness is, is still really important. Where was I even going with this? Oh, I had like the thing and then it <laughs> fell up my head. That's okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Just plank. Nah, gone. I saw the dog. <laughs> no, like, yeah, lost. you saw my dog. Lost um, it. I want to say thank you. Thank you so oh. much for like, we're both sitting on the ground. Uh, I mean, Amy <laughs> never sits still. So she's just gifted two hours of her time to me. I am so grateful to get two hours of Amy's time is a, a very big privilege. So I'm I very better. I got much better. But uh, for both of us, this is to sit on the floor for two hours um, is, <laughs> Um, something that we don't normally do, but, but Hey, we're, we're adaptable. We we're, can do, yeah, it we took us a while. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. We're slow learners, but, uh, we got there and I'm not unbalanced by the fact that, you know, I've sat on the floor for two hours and it's seven 45 and I haven't eaten my dinner. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm okay. Cause we just had an amazing conversation and I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, oh, thank you for having me. It's so, it's so powerful. And we'll do this again. And I can't wait yeah. to um, see you and move with you when I come home. Oh, in, I know. More than one day, home. hopefully. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you, Amy. Thank you. If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at Amy Kate Bow. I also write a daily blog. You can sign up on my website, amykatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, take the long way home. Bye for now.